Healthy Girl Kitchen. I am obsessed with Healthy Girl Kitchen. She's a vegan food blogger and health coach. I want to be her best friend. Invigorating conversations with leading experts. Danielle spends her days helping others improve their health. This is the Healthy Girl Podcast with your host, Danielle Keith. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Healthy Girl Podcast. I hope everyone's having a great week. I know this is a bit of a stressful week if you live in the U.S. with the election and everything going on. So I just I think I want to give everyone a reminder right now to take a deep breath because I think we all really need it. We go throughout our day looking at social media and we're being bombarded by a lot of political posts and it can be very overwhelming and not to mention everything else going on with COVID still on the rise and just everyday life. I think we all need a deep breath. So let's all take an inhale together and exhale. We're going to inhale and exhale. All right. I think we needed that communal deep breath. Thank you all for doing that with me. Let me give you the cooking tip and the health tip of the day, and then I'll tell you about our guest because she is amazing. I actually know her. She's a friend of mine, Um, but I'll get into that in a second. But for the cooking tip of the day, I want you to get canned pumpkin and add it to everything right now because it's in every grocery store because of the holiday time. And did you know you don't just have to use pumpkin in sweet recipes? I don't know. For some reason, I always just kind of pictured pumpkin being in pumpkin pie, pumpkin brownies. But recently, I've been loving adding pumpkin to savory recipes too. I have an Instagram exclusive pumpkin pasta recipe that I made in collaboration with Blue Evolution. They're a seaweed pasta company. But basically, I made the most amazing creamy pumpkin vegan pasta that's to die for. It tastes so good. It tastes like you got it at a restaurant. So if you just go to my Instagram feed, you'll see that pumpkin pasta recipe. And if you make it, please send me a picture. I love when you all make my recipes. And then for the health tip of the day, I want to encourage you all to practice some stress relieving techniques. So just like we did a communal deep breath, I really, really want to get across to you that Taking time to de-stress, focus on yourself, practice some self-care. It's so important right now, again, with election, COVID, everyday life, your job. You have to remember to breathe and not allow yourself to be overburdened by stress because stress can lead to inflammation and health problems and gut issues and It has been linked to cancer. So some of my favorite ways to de-stress include going on a walk, reading a good book, watching something binge-worthy on Netflix. If you haven't watched Emily in Paris yet and you want something like cute, light, and girly, I suggest that you watch it. It's really good and it's just like light and cute and is the perfect binge-watching show. I also recommend maybe drinking some warm tea, like an herbal tea, maybe some peppermint tea or chamomile tea, watch a movie, and maybe if it's available to you, cuddle someone. I know cuddling is like the best kind of stress relief, or even if you can just like get a hug from someone, I feel like a hug can just take some of the weight off your shoulders. So let me tell you about our guest of the day. 
Her name is Annie Slobotsky. She is the co-founder of Go Nanas, which is a vegan, gluten-free, women-run, and owned banana bread company. She's a badass entrepreneur, and I can't wait for you to hear her story, how her vegan banana bread mix went viral, what it takes to start your own company, and more. Annie and I actually went to school together from about kindergarten through the end of high school, so we go way back, and it's so cool that we're now coming together and talking and that I can interview her so that you can hear her story. Without further ado, let's welcome Annie to the Healthy Girl Podcast. Hi, Annie. Welcome to the Healthy Girl Podcast. Hi, Danielle. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm so happy you're here. And for those of you who don't know Annie or don't know this, we actually went to school together growing up, which is just so funny that now we've kind of reconnected in this way later in life and that our paths have kind of overlapped but we did go to school together from like kindergarten through high school you're a year younger than me but saw your face every day for a long time (laughs) that is true yeah so it's just funny because we come from a similar background and I think I just want to talk about this a little bit because we both went to the same schools and I think the environment in our schools I honestly think it contributed a lot to, I mean, not only me being driven, but I think it really fostered this want to strive for excellence. Like we were always being challenged and we were surrounded by kids who were very smart and always pushed themselves. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I think it definitely speaks a lot about who you are. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it it pushed a drive and also a support to like go after what you want. Like I think it was just such a close knit group of people and community because it was so small. Like I remember my most likely to in my senior year shirt, everybody put me as like the next Miss Betty Crocker. And like, it's just kind of (laughs) accurate. That's really funny. And yeah, so for those of you who don't know, we went to private Jewish day school and our high school was like what do they call it? Like pre-college or like college prep kind of curriculum. So, and we were also learning Hebrew and Jewish study. So it was a dual curriculum in addition to being college prep. So it was very challenging, but I definitely think that that speaks a lot about who you are. Let's talk about your background a little bit. Like we just talked about school, but like, where did you grow up? What was your family like? So I grew up in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, and I am in a small family. It just was just five of us now. My siblings are married and babies, so quite bigger. And I have an older brother who's nine years older and an older sister who's six years older. So I was the baby. And my parents were by no means checked out, but very relaxed with me. Um, So I was very self-sufficient from an early age. You know, they always trusted me to be home by myself or you know i wanted to be vegetarian for a time when i was younger and my mom said that's great but i'm not cooking two dinners and so i learned how to cook for myself um and they're all they're always incredibly supportive um so it was honestly a very nurturing environment to jump into entrepreneurship because it taught me how to you know do things by myself and also know that i always had really strong support I didn't know that. I guess I knew you had older siblings, but I forget that like parents just kind of, you know, once they're they're strict with the first one, they're a little <laughs> less with the middle. And then the last one, they're like, yeah, go do whatever you want. Right. 
I had no rules. So it was good. So you go to college and I feel like that's kind of where your banana bread expertise started or did it start in high school? So it definitely started in high school when I um, was at our school. I would constantly bring in cupcakes and baked goods for people's birthdays. And it was really easy because our school was so small that, you know, I'd leave them in one section of the hallway and everybody could come and eat them. And then I went to college at the University of Michigan. And while most of my friends still went there, the campus is enormous. And I couldn't just leave cupcakes or banana bread or anything like that in a spot. So I would deliver a goodie bag of baked goods to my friends, you know, mostly themed. So Thanksgiving, I had, you know, like a Rice Krispie turkey leg. And I always had a slice of banana bread in there because that was always the fan favorite. So that's where this whole thing kind of stemmed from. Okay, it's all coming back to me now. I definitely remember like sneaking some treats from you in high school. Like you would just like be standing by your locker and everyone would be crowded around you, swarming you, trying to get one of the cupcakes that you brought to school. Um, I definitely remember that. Did you like, you said you cooked for yourself, but did you bake as a kid a lot? Like, did you bake with your mom? So my, both my grandma and my mom were huge and my mom still is a huge baker. I mean, my mom definitely was the one who taught me how to bake, but just even, you know, from a baby, like every female figure in my life was always baking. And um, I loved spending time in the kitchen with my mom and banana bread is like the starter baked good because you can't mess it up. I tell people this all the time. You know, I sell a mix and they're like, I don't know how to bake. And I'm like, you can't mess banana bread up. You can't overmix it. You can't, you know, cook it for too long because it's either going to be crispy or you can't undercook it because it's going to be gooey. So that's something that like I always grew up doing because even as a young kid, I wasn't afraid to like, mess it up it's not like a cupcake that's going to get dry or that you need piping skills for that's true but i i am impressed with people who know how to bake because it's a science and different from cooking you do have to have the right measurements to make it taste good and for it to come out good Um, my mom on the contrary never baked growing up i mean maybe she'd make us like something on our birthday but she wasn't constantly baking as a hobby she was more um, of a cook and that's kind of why I am now very into cooking because I'd always cook with my mom but I I am impressed when people can bake especially I mean we're going to get into it but especially that you've actually created an incredible company out of what started as just like a love for baking so you get to college. Can you kind of paint the picture and give us a timeline of Gonanas from the start? Yeah, absolutely. So when I started at the University of Michigan as a freshman, I joined a club called Spoon University. And for those who don't know what Spoon is, it's a national food publication. And what's really cool and unique about how they're run is they have chapters at the majority of universities in the United States. And those chapters are what is responsible for producing their content. So between blogs and social media posts and things like that. And it's really kind of like the Mecca for foodies. And so I knew I wanted to join because I'm such a foodie and, you know, you're going to a new school. I wanted to make new friends. And I knew that that would be a place that I would find people similar to me. And my neighbor in my dorm 
was also in Spoon. And we lived what's called the Hill in Ann Arbor. So it's really far away from central campus. So we'd always walk to and from chapter meetings together. And we started talking and bonding over this love of baking and cooking. And I invited her to come home with me to Bloomfield Hills, 45 minute drive from uh, University of Michigan campus. And I was like, why don't we go to my home and bake because there's not really a clean and um, good place to bake as a freshman in dorms. And on the drive home, we were like, what should we make? And I was like, I have this great recipe for banana bread that we can make. Jokingly, my cousin always says that I should sell it. He thinks it's so good. And she was like, why don't we? I was like, what do you mean? She's like, why don't we take this recipe? She also, Morgan, my business partner, had familial ties to banana bread as well. She said, why don't we try and combine these recipes and start selling them? And so we did. Okay, so you're combining your recipes. What was your original recipe like and what was hers like? So my original recipe is very classic traditional banana bread so much sour cream, unbleached, you know, wheat flour, and just, just so much, you know, old school baking style. Yeah, and sugar, white sugar, oil, all the good stuff. All that stuff. Lots mm-hmm. of canola oil. Um, and Morgan's was, I would say, similar, but she was much more well-versed in healthy baking alternatives than I was at the time. And so we were really able to sort of talk about what elements we liked about each recipe, did some research on what the healthy swaps of that are. And she really loved oat flour and it made our bread really dense. And so that's the flour we started using. And so it's funny because now we're this, you know, top allergen free company. And a big portion of that is our customer base is, you know, people who have celiac. And we didn't even mean for that to happen. We weren't setting out to make a gluten free product. We just loved the taste that oat flour produced. Um, So that was really funny. And then what's cute about the first time we made this was, We made the loaf in my kitchen and my oven at home is like an Italian oven and it's really, really hot. It's definitely not what you're used to a typical like electric oven. And so after 45 minutes, when we thought it would be ready, it was totally burnt. My kitchen was filled with smoke and she's like, oh, we ruined it. I'm like, no, it's totally fine. Like, let's just cut off the top try the middle. We'll still get a good sense of the taste. And it was so good. And I was like, we can burn a loaf this badly and it still tastes like this like we're definitely on to something so that's so funny i'm sure there were a ton of times where you recipe tested and figured out the best way to make it and combine both of your recipes but then you started selling to local restaurants and juice bars and smoothie bars so can you talk about that a little bit yeah so we actually didn't even start out as a wholesaler we started selling just to people on campus. We recipe tested. I mean, we really recipe tested for three years. We tweaked until we got it perfect. But in the early days, you know, we put up a website and we dropped off samples at some sororities and fraternities because that's where we had easy access to large groups of people. And people just started ordering on our website and orders really got out of hand. I mean, 
we were baking all night my apartment roommates were going to kill me. Like we were just taking over. Um, the building was called landmark at the time. I remember running to and from my neighbor's apartments using their ovens. Cause we didn't have enough oven space in my little apartment. And we just decided, you know, this is clearly a proof of concept, but we can't just do this direct to consumer model outside of an apartment. We need to go to a real commercial kitchen and we need to start selling to restaurants and cafes and do it in a scalable model because especially you know three or four years ago buying food online was not that normal now we think with amazon and how the world has shifted to be e-com it makes a lot more sense but back then it was sort of unusual to be selling banana bread on the internet so yes super weird and now as you said it's totally normal but you're getting overwhelmed with orders and then what? And then you decide to start selling to restaurants and... Yes. So we stopped our direct-to-consumer model just because it drove a lot of sales, but it wasn't necessarily profitable because it was so labor-intensive. And I was, you know, driving around in my car delivering banana bread to individual people versus restaurants would order hundreds at a time and we'd make one delivery. So that made a lot more sense. And it was more accessible to people, right? Like we didn't have money to be spending on marketing so that new people could easily find out about our product. It was all word of mouth, which is great, but it wasn't, we really wanted to be a healthy option for people on campus and doing it ourselves and just through our website at the time wasn't the right route. And when you started making banana bread for restaurants, did you have a commercial kitchen? Yes. So we started, we actually rented a space at a small cafe in Ann Arbor called Juicy Kitchen. And I'm telling it's smaller than my current closet, that kitchen. It was so tight. And we would stay there all night and bake these mini loaves and then deliver them the next day. And we were only there for like six months before we outgrew that kitchen. And then we moved to a, we moved twice from there. We moved to a larger commercial kitchen and then a larger one from there. And then um, we really needed our own space. And so we purchased an oven and sort of transformed this kitchen into our own. So how did you balance being a student at U of M, one of the hardest schools in the country, and baking banana bread all night? Yeah, so... I wasn't your typical college student. I was not the kind of person that wanted to drink or to go out. I'm very social and I value my friendships immensely, but I didn't want to be going out on Thursdays and Saturday nights. This was really my passion and this is what made me happy. So I really just shifted what most people when they went out that time towards Gonanas and because I had this larger responsibility, I was much more organized than a typical college student. And I was much more productive when I was doing my work. I never procrastinated because I always had this larger, like yearning to be working on the company. Um, So that really helped me with my studies because I was so laser focused to get my work done and to submit everything early so that I could go really work on the company. You must have been so eager to be done with school. I wasn't and I was, you know, I loved college. It was such an amazing time and, you know, it wasn't by any means carefree because I was, you know, running a startup, but it was such an incredible experience. And I, 
all of my friends from high school too went there. And so it was really nice because I was meeting all these new people and they had so many resources too for entrepreneurs. So, you know, I was very sad to graduate, but I was also like really excited to get out to the real world. A little bit of both. Yeah, I think it's important that you said that though, like it was a trade-off. You weren't going out and partying and getting your work done and working on your business. Like you had to sacrifice probably a lot of nights going out to put that effort into your startup. So I think to anyone who's maybe in college and they have a business or they're trying to start a business, like there's going to be some give and take. I think if it comes down to it, if it's important to you, you'll make time for it at the end of the day. So I'm glad that you said that. I also would qualify that though by saying I didn't feel like I was giving anything up just because I'm not a partier. Like even to this day, I don't drink and that's not because, you know, people always ask me, it's so funny. They're like, oh, you know, why? As if like I had some sort of problem. I've never liked alcohol. I've never wanted to. And I've always been the type to have really close relationships with a handful of people versus a large amount of people. And I think that in college, it's really normal to have a lot of friends that you're seeing like in big group settings. And that's just, that's not where I thrived. So I never really liked that environment. So I was really grateful to have something that I wanted to do at night when a lot of the people I was close with were at the bars. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's all about balance too. Like you turned your work in on time and like you made a schedule for for yourself that worked for you. Right. Okay. I want to talk about the exciting part. Well, I guess first, maybe you can kind of touch on, I know you had a corporate job Mm -hmm. out of school and, you know, it's not like right away you started your e-commerce site and you were running GoNanas. Right. So I've been doing GoNanas since its inception and it's always been my passion. But like school, I had, you know, other things I needed to do when I graduated. My parents were very adamant that I get a real job before, you know, diving into my own startup and getting real world experience. And I'm so, so grateful that I had the experience that I did. I worked for a lemonade company And it was also a food startup or beverage startup. And I really learned some ins and outs of the food industry, which is why I took the job, right? I really wanted to learn how venture funded startups work because, you know, we have always been and continue to be a bootstrapped company. But what does it look like when you're playing with real money? And what does it look like when you're manufacturing at a huge facility and you're outsourcing that versus, you know, making loaves by hand. And so I'm very grateful for that experience. It was definitely difficult working uh, two jobs like that, but it was definitely worth it. And I'm happy I I had that time there. And did you have to take a pause from making banana bread? Like how were you selling the bread while you were starting your new job? So before um, I graduated at Michigan, I had hired enough staff at our kitchen in Ann Arbor where I was no longer doing the production. And I hired a, we had a team member who had been with us since the beginning of the company. I love her dearly. She was amazing. And she was with us for, you know, three years before I moved that I felt very comfortable putting her in charge and managing the bake days and looking for that quality control, sort of taking over my role as, you know, checking and going to the kitchen constantly. And that was wonderful because I needed 
to not be going to the kitchen all the time. I was really spending so much time making sure the product that we sold was perfect versus delegating that to then utilize my time to be selling more product and marketing and expanding the markets in which we sell. Um, So that was a really good sort of push for me. And what made you make the decision to leave your corporate job? Um, So this is a little more of a sad thing. Um, So my uh, best friend took his life two and a half months ago. And when that happened, it obviously really rocked my world a little bit. And it was just such a reminder that we need to be spending as much of the time we can be doing the things that we love and working with people that we love and care for. And I also was at a time where I felt like I could make that leap. You know, we've been working on it. Morgan and I had been working on GoNanas so steadily for so long that it was almost like, okay, we either need to try now to make this a company that can support us full time and fail and move on or do it successfully instead of working our butts off for, you know, two jobs. And while we're doing school, it's like we had been working so hard for so long and we're still working so hard, but it's so much more manageable now that it's what we do for a living instead of on the side. Yes. And that's definitely, I think, scary to a lot of people. I I think even just when I started health coaching, when I started building my blog, I got a lot of messages from people asking me if I did it full time or if I worked a corporate job and then kind of had this whole thing, my healthy girl kitchen thing on the side. Um, I think people are nervous to leave their corporate jobs because it gives them a sense of security and, you know, financial security, but both like the longevity of just knowing that they have a job, they're going to get a paycheck every month. But like, meanwhile, these people have another passion that they'd rather be pursuing so I think you're a good testament to that and you kind of had this like I mean unfortunately it was at the expense of you know your friend who I know as well him taking his life for you to realize you know what I want to do what I love like we have one life I really want to be spending it doing what I love pursuing my passion but I think you realized it was the right time for you to make that jump. So I I guess, do you have any advice to people who are maybe thinking about leaving their corporate job to pursue their passion? Yeah, I definitely do. My advice is to always start, like if you're interested in doing something, you're thinking about starting a business, like really just dive in and try it and do it on the side and see if it's viable before leaving your job and see if you like it and get a proof of concept. Because I think a lot of mistakes that some entrepreneurs make is planning so much and thinking, I mean, thinking things through is great. I'm not suggesting not to, but I think that you don't know if something's going to work until you try and you can only plan so much And you also don't want to just put all your eggs in one basket right away because there is a chance of failing. So I think that I would always say to try something on the side of whatever it is you're doing. And when it's time to leave, don't be afraid to because the only real failure is if you don't try. You know, you're going to learn 
if gonanas doesn't work out, I will have so much experience and I will feel so equipped to do whatever the next chapter in my life is. But it would have been such a failure if I had just said, hmm, I don't know if this is going to work out. I'm not going to try. I would have never known. So that's my advice. Yeah, I love that. And it is working. It's working out really great for you, actually. Um, but can you describe the process? Because, okay, you leave your corporate job. You're deciding, I'm going to do this full out. You're selling your vegan gluten-free banana bread mixes um, online. Um, so people order through your website. Did this banana bread recipe change at all when you started selling the mixes? So the recipe didn't change, but we just did, you know, didn't include the wet ingredients, obviously. Right. Um, but we didn't have to change a single thing in our recipe. That's great. So you had the recipe and I just want to talk about your packaging for a second because it's so cute. It's so smart and modern and clean and just like very 2020. I know I texted you this, but she has, you guys, she has the best branding, the best marketing. Your website is fire. (laughs) It's just so brilliant. And you take something like banana bread that could maybe seem boring to some people and you've made it fun. You've made it vegan and gluten-free and healthy and not to mention so easy. I actually, I just made it for the first time a couple days ago. And so I'll let you explain this further, but it's just like a a box cake mix, but it's banana bread. So you get the dry ingredients, you add the wet ingredients. And I knew it was going to be good just because it's Annie and like she's such a perfectionist but when I tasted it I'm like I literally sprinted to Ari my fiance I'm like you need to try this right now and he's like I'm busy doing something I'm like no 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 I'm like you need to come over here and he it took him like an hour he was so busy with work I'm like can you please just get over here and eat them and he had one and he's like he's like well maybe I'll do a muffin challenge to see if I can eat all of them in one day I'm like it was so funny we ate the entire pan within 24 hours. It is literally the best banana bread I've ever had. And I'm not just saying that better than my banana bread recipes on my website by far. You guys don't make my banana bread, make Annie's (laughs) banana bread. I'm not kidding though. It's moist. It's decadent. It tastes so unhealthy, but the ingredients are super clean. As you said, it's made with oat flour and has flax and cinnamon and you just add bananas and maple syrup, almond milk, and either oil or applesauce, right? I think it's really easy. So the add-ins are like really variable. So definitely bananas, um, but you can use any kind of milk. We prefer non-dairy. I always make mine with coconut milk, but you you can even use oat milk, a wide variety, and then any sort of liquid sweetener. So like agave, honey, um, maple syrup, if you're making it vegan. Um, and then any type of oil, but we recommend coconut oil. If I were you, I would put on so much weight because I'd be eating it all day. I do eat it all the time. And you'd think after four years that like maybe I'd be sick of banana bread and it just, you can't get sick of it. It is the best thing. I'm about to make the other packet that you sent me the, cause I made the chocolate chip one, but I'm about to make the crackly one. How did you think so- of that by the way? Um, Honestly, I don't remember. Um, we so we started in that kitchen called Juicy Kitchen, and they had 
um, a vegan banana bread that was also called crackly that they had different, you know, spices in. And they asked us to start making it for them in lieu of paying a portion of our rent. So we would, you know, produce some of their pastries for them. And we sort of just made a spin off of that. But the exact coming up with the recipe, I don't remember. I think we just played around because we loved the version that we made for their kitchen. So smart, so fun. And I can't wait to make that one. But you guys, the chocolate chip banana bread, you are going to faint. It's so good. Um, So how long did it take you? What was the period of time between like finding manufacturer, getting things up on your website, building your website to actually going live? So it's a little convoluted only because pre-COVID, and when I say pre-COVID, COVID was happening, but we didn't know it was happening. So around March, our business was really exploding and we had landed a big chain for the mini breads in Chicago and an office as their office snack that had a location in Chicago and Boston. And we were really rapidly gaining new stores. And then COVID um, hit and lockdown started and food service really came to a halt. I mean, to this day, people are not really on the go and we didn't know what to do other than pause, but we had all these ingredients that we had that we didn't want to go to waste. And we also didn't want to just not be running as a company. And I live with my business partner. And so I woke up one morning and I literally run into her room and I was like, Morgan, why don't we sell quarantine kits? And she's like, what is that? What are you talking about? And I was like, we can take the ingredients that we have in our kitchen. We can have just our head baker go because it's way easier than making loaves. You don't have to bake them. There's no mess. And she can mix the dry ingredients together, scoop them into bags. We can order some stickers and people can enjoy our bread at home. She's like, sure, let's do it. <laughs> so that's what we did. We went on, you know, Uline, which is a packaging website. We ordered literal clear bags. We ordered stickers from the local custom sticker shop in Ann Arbor. And we had our head baker go to the kitchen. And we already had a website because we were selling our mini loaves direct to consumer. It's not something that we spent marketing on or did a lot of, but it was an option, you know, for friends and family who wanted to gift our product. And they sold out so quickly. Fox two news Detroit actually reached out to us. We went on the news and we were like, okay, maybe this isn't just a COVID thing. Maybe this is an entirely new product line that we should bring on full time. And because our business was rapidly expanding in the beginning of March, we had already been doing so much outreach to manufacturing facilities. And we had found one that was perfect. Um, The man who runs it is so lovely and he had such an amazing background and we really formed a great relationship, you know, over, you know, February, March, because we'd been talking so much about producing our mini breads and, I asked him if he can produce this mix and he said, sure, it's easy enough. And so we designed, you know, real professional packaging, ordered bags, sent it his way and launched our, our real mixes. Wow. Oh, it's just like, it's such a good story. And I like, because I know you, I can just be like, so proud of you because it's just, 
like it's your baby and you grew it to be something that's now so successful. Um, but I want to touch on one thing you said um, well, about the quarantine kits is like, I think one of the best qualities that a good entrepreneur has is being able to adapt and pivot when something goes wrong or when, I don't know, when an unexpected circumstance comes up, being able to shift your business to meet the current needs is so important. And that's just a prime example. Yeah, I really thank you. First of all, I think that that's, it's really true that being able to pivot is probably like the most important thing. When you have a small company, problems are just going to occur every day of the week. And, you know, I think having a positive attitude and figuring out how to make the good out of something is like the most important thing to focus on. Most definitely. Okay, so you launch and basically go nanas goes viral. Am I right? A little. And so what was that feeling like? It was just crazy. It was almost unbelievable because we'd been doing this for so long, right? And we worked so hard and we were growing so slowly. I mean, we were growing and that was great. But it was like we launched this product line and all of a sudden our orders were like through the roof and you know, part of it was luck, right? Banana bread has been deemed the official food of the quarantine. So our timing there was great. And, um, you know, there is a lack in the market for banana bread products. I say this all the time. I know I could count on my hand and not on my hand. I could count up to a hundred, the number of cupcake companies and cookie companies that exist in this country yet banana bread one of the most beloved baked goods of Americans. Like, I don't know anybody who doesn't like banana bread. There are no other really banana bread companies and I don't understand it. I don't know why it's been overlooked. So I do think there was a little bit of luck there, but it also just felt like all of our work sort of came to a tipping point, right? Everything we had worked for and the brand that we had built in this relationship that we had with our retailers and our customers to have that initial reach where people started posting about it really all came together in fruition. So it was great. So awesome. And you've done a great job at your social media marketing, which I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, played a huge role in your company doing so well. Yeah, social media was a huge part. I think that, you know, we spent people say social media marketing, I think a huge piece of that is our brand and like the voice and the packaging and all that together. And we spent the entirety of our senior year at Michigan working on this redesign. We worked with a consulting team at the University of Michigan who did, you know, Adobe Illustrator to help us. And we spent months and months and months talking about what color our company should be and the font of the new logo and how each different color flavor should have its own um, color to represent what it is because that's, you know, we had so many customer interviews where people went to go buy our single serve loaves at a basket at the cash register at a store and they had to, you know, pick and read, is this chocolate chip? Is it original? Is it zucchini? And so we had all this feedback and we spent so much time talking about what everything should look like that when it came time to do the mixes and to really, you know, dive deep into our social media because we were doing online sales that all the groundwork had been laid out and we just had to sort of go. And as I said before, your packaging is insane. It definitely paid off all that time spent debating it because it's just cool. And 
like if I didn't know you, if I hadn't seen it before, if I saw it on social media, I'd be like, oh, what's that? Like, it's just fun and bright and it makes you interested in what's in it. So I think that definitely plays a role because people see it and they're immediately attracted to the packaging. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's really representative of my partner and I, like we try and be as authentic as we can be. And I think that all brands do, but I think that because we are young and naive, (laughs) we don't really play by the rules of the big CPG players. And, you know, we put ourselves on the packaging, my partner and I are on characters in the back and we're as the founders on our social all the time, which is pretty atypical. And I think that we just try and do things differently because we can and because we don't know better. And I think that that's working to our benefit right now. Totally. And I know you've been mentioning Morgan, your business partner this whole time. I want to talk about her a little bit. And just like in general, having a business partner, what would be your advice to someone who wants to go into business with someone? Because it could ruin your business or it could build your business up. And I think, you know, you can kind of speak on this. Um, You know, I think in most business partnerships, you know, you each have your own strengths and then like playing to those strengths is really important. I love this question. I think it's such a good one. I think having, for me, we couldn't be where we are without each other. And I mean that from both sides. And I would always recommend having a business partner. And most of the big people in venture capital do as well. It just having another person to do these things with and to go through these wild swings of up and downs is so invaluable. In terms of having a business partner, the thing that I think is the most important, and I'm sure, again, this is something that a big CEO would not tell you, but trust is like the most important thing for me in the world. And it is why we have such a successful relationship. And, you know, everybody says, don't go into business with your friends or your family. And we just ignored everybody. And we've been doing this for four years and we've never had a single argument. We know each other so well and we trust each other implicitly. And so because we have that framework, like we have disagreements all the time as any, you know, friends or business partners would, but we always come at that conversation with the understanding that like, I don't understand what she's saying and she doesn't understand what I'm trying to say. And how can we understand what each other's points are? Because at the end of the day, we almost always agree on something. And so because we come with these different opinions, knowing we want to understand why that person is saying that thing, everything is like, I don't want to say easy, but it feels easy. Yes. And I mean, that also goes for like any kind of relationship, a friendship, you know, a romantic relationship, um, having open communication with someone that you're invested in, especially you're also sharing money, which can be tricky. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's important. And I think probably number one is to have open and honest communication. Right. And but I think beyond the communication piece is like the belief that their intentions are good and not self-serving, you know? Yeah. And I think that's probably a judgment call people have to make. Like you knew her and got to know her and you've obviously seen that she's a good person. So I think it's probably the thing where you just have to make a gut instinct judgment call about someone you go into business with. Yeah, absolutely. I would never do it blind. (laughs) Yes. 
so what are like what are your strengths and what are her strengths so it's less tangible but i love our partnership because i'm very logistically oriented right and morgan is very end idea oriented so she'll come to me and be like wouldn't it be great if we did x and i'm thinking like okay, if we did this, we'd have to get this in order and this in order and have to have them by this time. And we couldn't get this piece. We can't do that. And so I can't specifically say, you know, we both do marketing and sales and a lot of the pieces of the business. And we definitely have a division, a division of operations. And we have very specific strengths that each other are better at. But I think in terms of like, why we suit each other, it's because I'm the one who thinks through the steps to get to the end goal. And she has a lot of big ideas. Yeah, I would definitely be the one thinking of all the steps. <laughs> and you both, you can't have one without the other. It's so true. Kind of going back to starting your own business. If you had to give like one piece of advice to someone who wants to start their own business, like what's one takeaway that like after all of this that you have come to? My one takeaway is that you have to believe in what you're doing. Like you can't be like, I want to start a business. What should I do? It has to really be an intrinsic like passion. Because if you don't want to wake up and think about it and go to bed and think about it. And you know, even during your social things, it's still in the back of your head, you can't do it. It's 24 hour a day job, you are your own boss. No one is going to step in when you make a mistake. And so you have to want it so badly and you have to love it because that's the only way you're going to do it. And, you know, they oh, I think every adult is, you know, you don't work a day in your life when you love what you do. But it's true. And you need it when you're starting your own company. It's so true. And I feel the same way. I'm like excited to go to work every day. And honestly, like people will be like, what are you doing this weekend? I'm like, working but like to me it's not working it's like I'm brainstorming content right. and like cooking and thinking of fun new recipes but like I love doing that which I definitely think has contributed to you know the success of my business so I 100% agree with you so what are your long-term goals for Go Nana's? like where do you see it going so my long-term goal um is to be synonymous with the word banana bread. I want to be what people think about when they think about banana bread, which is a pretty hefty goal um, because people already have an idea of what banana bread is. And then, you know, we also have large goals of distribution. We have some dream stores that we'd love to be in. And I think another piece of that and what, and being what people think about when they think about banana bread is innovation. And, you know, you think about companies who unbundle products and who take a specific, what that means, you know, taking a specific product and diving deep into that product. And so for us, that's going to be coming up with really unique flavors and different ways to make banana bread and different avenues in which you can use it. And I think that already speaks to what we're doing now. I mean, you don't typically think of banana bread when you think of breakfast, yet People love making our muffins for a quick and easy breakfast. You know, you made a pan on a Sunday and you're eating it with fruit in the morning now with a little bit of nut butter or something. And so we're already in a very small way beginning to redefine what people's relationships with banana bread looks like right now. And we just really want to keep honing that. 
I love that. And now I'm always going to think of your face and go nanas when I hear <laughs> banana bread. Um, and I'm going to seriously recommend it to everyone I know. You said you have some dream stores you would like to be in. What is there mm-hmm. like a timeline for that? Like, are you going to come out in some retail stores anytime soon? So we are coming out tomorrow nationally in Nordstrom Rack, which oh is my God. very exciting. Wait, get out of here. I know. It's very cool. So the next time you're at your, you know, local Nordstrom Rack, we'll be right at checkout. Um, That's amazing. Thank you. I'm very excited about that. Oh, my God. Congratulations. Thanks. It's a big achievement for us. So fingers crossed that that goes well. And then there's not really a timeline for getting into those stores. You know, sometimes it happens randomly. Sometimes I email and call the buyer enough for them to pick up the phone. So I don't necessarily have a timeline per se, but I think if we keep this momentum up, um, hopefully we'll we'll land some of those in the next year. Oh my God, that's incredible. So wait, you said nationally, so I could go to Nordstrom Rack tomorrow and get it. Yes. I mean, there's a chance that some stores will have it in the back room and not have put it out yet, but we should be in all 242 Nordstrom Racks tomorrow. Wow. that That's amazing. What's your best seller, by the way? Like if someone wants to test out some Gonanas banana bread, what would your recommendation to them be? So our best seller is definitely the chocolate chip. And, you know, to me, that makes sense. Everybody loves chocolate chip banana bread. Seasonally right now, pumpkin's doing very well because it's pumpkin season and Starbucks has done the work for us. Everybody wants anything pumpkin right now. My personal favorite, though, is crackly. I think it's just so unique and... For anybody that likes like a crunch, like a nut in their banana bread, it's so good. I mean, I'm a big fan of that one. <laughs> I'm about to go make that one. Literally. Yeah, let me. <laughs> um, this has been amazing. It's been so great hearing about your company and just how you really started it from the bottom up. And it was a passion of yours that you've now just created into this amazing, amazing company. And I'm, I mean, it's still so new so I'm just excited to see where it goes and I can now say I've had it and it's really good and the hype around it is real um (laughs) so I ask just to wrap things up I ask um, my guests Mm -hmm. some fun questions just to kind of get to know you better starting with what would your last meal on earth be I mean it would definitely be banana bread (laughs) if it wasn't banana bread my last meal would probably be bonza with a little bit of like olive oil, salt, and Parmesan. I'm a big bonza girl for those of you that don't know what that is. It's chickpea pasta. Love the taste of it. So simple. I love bonza too. Um, What's one thing you can't live without in your morning routine? Um, One thing I can't live without in my morning routine. I think that Um, and I'm bad about doing this every day, but I like to keep a journal and I definitely like to write gratitude, um, pieces in there. I think that's really important and something that has been a piece of my life for many, many years. I took a positive organizational studies class and it really blew my mind how impactful sharing daily pieces of gratitude is with your overall like happiness and well-being and how that like has tangible changes to the you know functionality of your brain so and what is something quirky about you people would be surprised to find out 
something quirky about me that people would be surprised to find out. I, the hard part for me is I feel like everything is banana related. Like something very weird about me is I have bananas all over my apartment. Like I have a neon banana light. I have like a golden banana vase. I have a everything you can think in banana form. So that's pretty odd. Um, non banana related though. I just feel like I'm a quirky person in general. Like I'm pretty unusual. I think maybe people would be surprised to know that I'm like a grandma and then I go to bed really early and wake up really early. And what time do you go to bed and wake up? I probably go to bed at like 1030 and wake up at 730. And that might be usual to people who like have a job, but I'm my own boss. So I could very easily be like going to bed at 11, waking up at like nine. And I just, I like to go to bed early and wake up. So no, I love that. That's amazing. Um, if you had to pick one form of exercise to do for the rest of your life, what would it be? Definitely going on walks. I go on an hour long walk every day and it keeps me sane. I'm with you. Walks are the best. Um, what is your favorite grocery store? Whole Foods. Whole Foods is the OG. Yeah. Okay. Now we're going to play foodie edition of Would You Rather? Hmm, fun. Ready? Yep. Indian food or Mexican food? Mexican. Oatmeal or avocado toast? Ooh, such a hard one. Probably oatmeal. Cake or ice cream? Cake. Spinach or romaine? Romaine. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla. Lemon or lime? Uh, lemon. Hummus or guacamole? Hummus. Pesto or Alfredo? Pesto. Chips or crackers? Chips. And that's it. That's Rapid Fire Would You Rather Foodie Edition. Thank you for playing. (laughs) (laughs) That's always my favorite part. Yeah. Thank you so much. Where can everyone find you on social media? Um, So we're Go Nanas, G-O-N-A-N-A-S. There's an underscore in between the Go and the Nanas on Instagram, but nowhere else. And can you just also say your website so everyone can go order some banana bread? Absolutely. You can find us at Eat gonanas.com and um if you google gonanas as well we should be the first thing that pops up perfect well thank you so much everyone go run and order some banana bread from gonanas it's amazing but yes thank you annie for coming on the podcast thanks for having me this was so fun so fun Talk to you soon. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe. And we'll see you next time.